Hi, Elisa. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Um, welcome to this uh, virtual space. Uh, this is an interview for the Archives of American Art, Smithsonian Institution. And today is September 1st, 2020. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just have to remind myself. Um, and uh, yeah, if you can please um, introduce yourself uh, and then let us know how you're doing um, and how you've been doing over the past few months. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Elisa Sakelianos Carter, and I am a painter, a mixed media painter. Um, and um, I am, right now I'm doing okay. Um, I think over the last several months, I have, it's been a real roller coaster of feelings. Um, I'm at a residency, a fellowship um, at Next Haven in New Haven, Connecticut currently. And when, um, I've been here since January. So when COVID hit the United States, I was here um, in starting in March, February, March. And um, I think initially I felt very sort of devastated just by like, just this like drastic change and sort of how I imagined this year to be. Um, and I really didn't know I've never experienced anything like this before, so I wasn't really sure what to do. Um, and um, I, so I'm, I'm living in New Haven with my partner, and I also, we have a 16-year-old daughter who at the time when we came here was in boarding school. And so in March, she had to come back because everything was like shutting down. She came back and she was with us actually up until this past weekend, she went back to school. Um, and so that was like really different too, because I think everyone is struggling, but like teenagers, I think are really have been hit so hard in this way that unlike um, adults, at least like the adults that I know. So, um, so when she came back and when we all kind of realized what our reality was going to be, it was just like a very heavy time. Um, we also had our three-year-old niece with us. So it was just like, we were in our apartment. We didn't know if we should we essentially quarantine, but it felt really, um, just like very dramatic and very stressful and like we unfamiliar. Um, and for like several months, I didn't, I have this amazing studio that I had access to, but I didn't really make any work. Um, so, so just kind of like knocked out by this, what was happening. Um, and I feel like I felt really like complicated or really conflicted rather about that because like so many artists didn't have access to their studios. So many artists who are like in school or have like are independent outside of school, like working students, like were locked out of those spaces. And so I have this amazing space that I wasn't utilizing. And so that felt really, I felt guilty about that. Um, so, but I, instead of, I mean, I did come here periodically after we quarantined, um, like actually quarantined legitimately, but um, I, I did start gardening which I know a lot of people did. And that was really huge. That, and, I, and in general, I'm a gardener, but my partner and I were from Albany, New York. And so we went back and forth and basically built this whole garden from scratch, which was like, just like really important for both of us. Um, and we have like flowers and also vegetables. And that kind of became, my partner's also an artist. So it became our practice in this way where we were just like, okay, we just have to do this like in our backyard. And we also have um, a vacant lot that we, own that we built like 
beds and grew, are growing still currently all these vegetables. So that, um, that was how I sort of emotionally like got through this time um, initially. And I think in about May or June, I, like end of May, I started to come back into my studio and actually start to work and felt like a release. Just, I think just the gardening really helped me like feel creative again. And so I, um, I finally started to, yeah, just to make things and like the pressure. I think part of it is that like, I'm in this really incredible, like prestigious fellowship. And I was like, I have to make work and like, there's people coming. And I mean, it's, it obviously changed because of the new terms. Like we didn't for very long, we didn't have visitors for so long. We had like virtual studio visits and we had, um, you know, not the same sort of traffic. And so of course I wasn't like, I didn't need to like make for it because there's no one was coming. I didn't have to like make anything sort of have on display, but I still felt like I wanted to utilize the space that I was gifted and, you know, that I have access to. Um, so the, I just felt pressure that my own sort of self um, induced pressure. But I think, um, yeah, the gardening and then like, just the weather, like it being warmer, all these things sort of just like let, I started to open up more and feel like less um, depressed, <laughs> essentially. Like I was really repressed and felt, yeah, like really uh, just heavy with everything. Um, and then, but also um, that like that, that kind of lightness lasted only for a little while because of like, of, you know, in the end of May and June, um, with the death of George Floyd and also like earlier in February and like all, all of this like really unnecessary death and like violence and police brutality, like that was like incredibly um, heavy. Another like weight on top of what's already happening. And, um, but it felt different. Like I felt like I had to make work in response to that where with COVID I just was like, I couldn't, I just didn't know how to respond. Um, and I, and like through those very like, um, like traumatic and, and um, depressing experiences and like the deaths that I referenced, like I felt like, okay, well I have to, like it's kind of my duty to make work. Um, and so that was like when, you know, I started to actually like generate some things and it felt, you know, better and also terrible simultaneously. But um, yeah, so I think, now um, I've been like consistently working. I'm still, we're still going back and forth and gardening and whatnot, but I feel a lot more stable in like my practice and like kind of, I understand like my vision more. And I think like, had I not been in a residency, like it's like, there's so many things happening. It's like I'm in a residency, like a new city I've never lived in, new people, new cohort, like an incredible cohort. But, and then like this COVID and then uprisings and police brutality, and like obviously very necessary uprisings, but like all of those things, there's like all these things happening that I had to adjust to. And, it, and I, maybe it would have been different had I been home. I mean, it would absolutely have been different had I been home um, in, in good and bad ways, you know, like I feel super supported being here, but, um, but it's also unfamiliar. And so the, that was kind of, um, that was uh, like added to the anxiety of it. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's not all of it, but that's like a lot of what I was feeling and have been feeling. 
Yeah. Um, if I understand correctly, your work is a lot of it is about around uh, black sacredness. Yeah. In different ways. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering how what your observations are around all these intersections that you're discussing. Um, and also what's the work that you've been creating that you just mentioned? Yeah. Um, I think in regard to black sacredness, um, let me think. I mean, yeah. So like thinking about in terms of like the, the like highest rates of death are within like black and brown communities, um, which is devastating. And obviously thinking about, um, deaths by both cops and white supremacists against black and brown people, like all of that. And I, you know, I think initially, like I didn't, COVID, it just felt so like, what is this? And we didn't really know. And now it's like very clear, like who is like, who is the most impacted. And so it's like, it's much easier to see where in the moment I just was like, what is happening? Like everything is changing. Um, and that's like a very privileged view. Cause I was just like, Oh, I'm at this residency. I feel like I can do, I have all this freedom. And then it was like this, this like huge, um, like sort of monster came and like changed that. Um, but I didn't really understand that at the time. And so if I, I think I would have framed my sort of my role differently in this world, like as an artist, had I recognized that, but I was very much like in my like own world of like my family and we're just like feeling all these different feelings. But I think um, now in retrospect, and currently, I mean, it's still happening and obviously like, like there's still uprisings and all of that and there's still deaths happening and, um, and violence in that way. I feel like um, it's, it's really, it feels really heavy. It feels like I, I, like the work that I make is like very much to like acknowledge and honor and also like escape like this, this other world that I want to exist in where like blackness is like um, revered and just totally elevated and is just like existing in all of this beauty and safety and protection. And so it, it, it like feels very intense to like, like I, I'm making the work in response, but also as like a separate, um, like it's not, it's not in, only in response to white supremacy, it's its own thing and its own world, but it feels heartbreaking that it's, it feels very relevant and that is heartbreaking. Like that feels like I, I am, yeah, like it feels like that I am, I look forward to a time when like it doesn't feel like I have to do that if that makes sense, um, and have to con like continually like uplift in this way. I don't feel like it's a burden, but it, it is a burden for black and brown people. You know, it is like, there's like, it's a huge weight to constantly um, have to prove like your, your sacredness, your, the reason that you should, like uh, uh, to give a reason why you should be able to live and live freely and without fear. Um, so I think, yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, wait, what was your second question? Um, I forgot also, but <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> it was, um, I think I, I'm, I'm just interested. It, I don't know exactly what question I asked, but I, I think I'm interested in knowing more about your, your perspective about the, the different narratives that are 
happening right now around uh, both what you're talking about, uh, black bodies, but mm -hmm. also, you know, the pandemic and the uprisings um, and all of these intersections. Um, what are your your perspectives? And also, I think from my previous interviews with people at the residency, I know it's been a really rich space to have conversations with other artists. So, yeah. yeah. If you can just talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess if you're asking like, what do I believe or the narratives? I mean, I, I, I think that, um, and so totally jump in if I'm not answering this correctly, but I believe that, um, I'm like, what do I think? I think that, I mean, I listen to the news a lot, like a specifically one particular news source and Democracy Now!, but I think, um, it's like, I feel, I don't know. It just feels really heavy. It feels very, um, like every day when I'm working, I'm just like, kind of, like honestly, just like cursing to myself. And like, it just feels sort of unbelievable, like where we're at. And that like, you know, with COVID, I just feel like the way that this has all gone down, it just feels like we're like, in general, the, our humanity, and like being in this country just feels, and I mean everyone, like it feels like it's just never considered and it feels, that feels terrifying to me um, that we're like being sort of steered in these directions by the powers that be um, who don't care or consider our humanity. Um, I think as far as the continued violence and white supremacy, um, it feels, absolutely it's just it's like it's it's all the same i mean it, of course like whoever is being like what, if anything terrible happens here it's going to be the people who are sort of like the lowest who are seen as the lowest by the you know whoever's in power and so like the folks who are being impacted are going to be people who are like lower income or like houseless or people of color or trans people or and so like all of that it's just like it feels like um everything is coming to this like sort of um, breaking point and it feels it's 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 always been scary right it's for if if you're of the any of the the groups i listed if you're like marginalized in any way but um there's something there's like it's like reaching a fever pitch at this point where it just feels like everyone is realizing it i mean obviously there are people who don't or, or they're realizing it and they feel good. They're, they feel like finally, you know, like there's this like, like specifically like white supremacists and um, transphobic people, um, specifically there's like this, people feel very emboldened to like act and to respond. And in my own personal life, I've, I've had like people in my family who have sort of come out as white supremacists and it's like, white people and it, it's just like um really intense it's really intense and it's really scary you know to to like it for it's really um it's like you're you're really be, like being asked to choose a side and like as I said I have a daughter and she was really radicalized in this moment I mean she you know I've always I have a very specific viewpoint and I've always sort of brought her up in that from that perspective but she also has another family her father's family who has a different view. And so, um, and she's black, my partner's black. 
And so the three of us have been like experiencing this together in our little pod through, you know, since March. And she really like became just really got very clear on her beliefs, which was really, it's, it's sad that you have to like to, to have your 16 year old be exposed to so many things. And she knows it's not like I was um, sort of keeping, you know, history and reality from her, but like your brain changes over time and she's just like, can understand things way more clearly. And to see her really understand that um, was really, it was like a positive thing, you know, but then I, I can see other people um, who have gone the other direction. And that's, um, that is really, it, it's, yeah, I keep saying it, but it just, it feels terrifying because you don't know, because like um, the literal teenager who just killed two people last week, you know, he's a year older than my daughter. And that's, that is, I can't even, but like, it's mind blowing that that person, you know, like what it takes for that person to get to that point to do something like that, or think that this is like the right thing or think they're doing, you know, they're, they're um, protecting people. So I think that um, it's, it's like the same, it's, it's as bad as it's been, but there's something that has changed, I think, I mean, maybe Trump being in power, it's just like, there's something that's made it feel even more sort of urgent and intense and everything is like louder and brighter and scarier. Um, yeah. Um, going back to the work that you've been, uh, well, that yeah. you've been making since May, um, can, you, can you just tell me a little bit more about what that is and, yeah. and also where you're going with it? Yeah. So um, I have, in I think April, May, June, I was working on these smaller paintings. Um, one is a part of a series um, that is thinking about or based on um, forced suicides of enslaved Africans during the Middle Passage and sort of those bodies going into the ocean and then somehow magically like them adapting to the water and living in the ocean, the bottom of the ocean. And so like the images of, um, the images that I'm currently working on are just like kind of that, that um, then the body's floating to the, to the bottom essentially, um, like that travel or experience or whatever. And, um, and that's like based also off of like a larger painting, like a 10 by 12 foot, it may get smaller, but um, painting. So those smaller paintings are kind of based around this larger painting um, that I started previously, but I've been working on here at Next Haven. And then another piece, um, Never Let Me Go, is um, another painting that is thinking about, um, I guess like the, the deaths, not all of them, there's like four figures, black glittered figures in the center of it. And it's just thinking about the, um, the deaths that have happened. And, and, and then like around those figures, there's like this swirl of black and like different sort of like luminescent materials and hands and feet kind of coming out of that spiral or swirl. Um, and thinking about like the interconnectedness of like blackness and like um, 
like loss and ancestors like who are with us and like not letting them go and being with them and also like the folks who have died who are now ancestors and like and not letting go like for example like Breonna Taylor like still fighting for justice for her murder and not letting go of that and like not letting her name or her her spirit go um and just like yeah just holding on just like don't like don't don't give up and like continue to fight and hold on um so those are like the that's kind of what i've been thinking about um also some other paintings just like um of like infinite blackness or black moon is what i have been referencing calling them but um just like another place another planet where blackness is is sort of the only thing and it's like beautiful and like never stops and is limitless so those are the the works right now that I'm working on. Thank you so much, uh, Alisa. Before uh, we go, I wanted to ask you if there's anything that uh, you wanted to discuss today that I didn't bring up. Hmm. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I know there's so much going on. Um, yeah. And so 20 minutes can feel really short, but I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.